Did you ever hear what the pastor said when he got a call to go to a new church? Well, the pastor had two daughters. One's name was Goodness, and the other's name was Mercy. And when they called the pastor, they asked him if his wife, who was named Shirley, and his two daughters would be willing to join him in this new church. The pastor thought about it for a moment and then said with full assurance, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My kids love love telling this funny story uh, because it's based on a real Bible verse. You know where it's found? Psalm 23, verse 6. The shepherd's verse. Shepherd's chapter. Shepherd's psalm. Which reveals that the person who is blessed is the one who is followed by mercy. And this truth was taught once again by Jesus hundreds of years after the shepherd's psalm. When he gave his mountaintop sermon... And in his fifth blessing, he pronounced, Matthew 5, verse 7, read it with me if you will, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, in some people's eyes, mercy would be equivalent to weakness, to last place, to someone who needs the help and forgiveness of another person because they aren't strong enough to do it themselves, maybe even feeling A bit of shame well up at the thought that I might have to beg for or seek mercy from another. I remember when I was a boy, a child. Maybe you remember the painful game of mercy we played as children. The girls grimaced as the boys tried to subdue one another through pain. Their hands were gripped together and each one trying to twist the other's hands back through strength will and superhuman effort until inevitably one boy would cry out in pain and say, Mercy! At which point the other would victoriously release his grip, strutting with pride that he had been recognized as the strongest and the one who cried mercy was the weakest. And in the Jewish system, that pride itself that prided itself on good works, the cry for mercy was an admission that you had failed your Jewish heritage. Once again, the prayer of the Pharisee and the begging for mercy from the tax collector was a fitting illustration of how people viewed mercy back then. We read it in Luke. Jesus shared this story in Luke chapter uh, 18, verses 10 through 13. He says... Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed, thus in his heart, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
The Pharisee represented the aspirations of those who sat on the grassy hill with Jesus. They too felt their national heritage as a Jew placed them in a position of superiority by birth. That, and that was their first ditch. The second ditch that their minds would have fallen into was equally bad. The second ditch was that I, I must show mercy only to those who deserve mercy. So the first ditch is, I don't need mercy. I'm at the top. The second ditch is, I'll show mercy, but only to those who deserve it. The poor were suffering poverty because God had cursed them, and so they were beyond the reach of mercy. The sick, likewise, were under God's judgment. They, too, did not deserve mercy, according to the Jewish mind. And we see this in the disciples' question to Jesus about the man born blind. You remember in John 9, verse 2, Jesus, uh, his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did what? Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born what? That he was born blind. Obviously, if you had a terrible illness or you were struck with poverty, you were beyond the reach of mercy. You were getting what you deserved. No mercy needed for that person. And then there was the Samaritan, a half-breed Jew that was certainly excluded from acts of mercy. We see this in the question of the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, when she questioned Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 9, says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. They were deserters. They were uh, the despicables in Judaism. They, They didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. So they were beyond mercy. So who then would a Jew show mercy to? Who was it that would be a recipient of mercy to one of those Jews that was sitting on the hillside with Jesus? Who would it be? Who did they feel obligated to be merciful to? Well, the same people we want to show mercy to. Our family, our friends, and people who look like us, talk like us, and believe what we believe. Those are the people who deserve mercy, according to us and the Jews. When it comes to mercy, these are the two self-made barricades that keep men and women from experiencing the blessing Jesus pronounced. Either we barricade our way by avoiding mercy for ourselves, thinking or feeling that I am weak if I ask or seek for it, and we are... or. Or And we are limited and stingy in how we show mercy and who we show mercy to. But I want you to bold this next statement in your mind. In the kingdom of God, those who are truly blessed are those who earnestly seek for mercy and freely grant it to others. Those are the ones that are blessed. 
Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So what does it really look like to be merciful? What does mercy truly look like? Well, we find the answer over in the parallel passage to Matthew chapter 5. It's found in Luke 6. And in Luke 6, this is... Luke 6 actually outlines part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's, the, it's Luke's account of the, par, of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. Jesus pronounces the list of blessings that are mentioned there in Matthew 5. Not quite as long, but it's still, he still goes through that list. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the persecuted. And then Luke adds in verses 24 through 26, a curse. Cursed are the rich, cursed are the full, and cursed are those who do well. Where there's no problems in their life. Just the opposite of what we would think. And then we have Jesus' statement about mercy recorded in Luke. And it's the same time period that Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what it says in Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 36. It says, Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Well, we ask ourselves, well, how, how exactly is that? What exactly is mercy? What does mercy look like? I mean, give me practical ways I can leave this church or leave this hillside, Jesus, and go out and be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. What does that mercy look like? Well, to understand what that mercy looks like, we have to read from verse 27 to verse 36, because he goes through and he lists all about what mercy looks like, and then he ends by saying, therefore be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Therefore be merciful. So we start off and we read in verse 27, but I say to you who hear, do what? Love your enemies. Now that's a strange person to love. Love your enemies? Do good to those who, what everyone? Hate you? Now, do your enemies and those who hate you deserve kindness? Do they deserve good? Do they deserve mercy? Probably not. But this is what mercy looks like. And what a shock to the Jews sitting on the hillside with Jesus to hear him enumerate all the people, to all the people that mercy encompasses enemies? But they don't deserve mercy. They are enemies for a reason, you know. Maybe they drove their donkey in a moment of ancient road rage around me one day. Maybe they put their pig pen too close to our shared property line. Maybe they were an enemy to my nation like a hated Samaritan or Gentile. Regardless of what they have done, Jesus brings them into the exclusive circle of those deserving mercy. And the list doesn't stop there. He continues. In verse 28, it says, Bless those who do what? Curse you. And pray for those who spitefully or despitefully use you. Verse 29 And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. 
Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask him not again. Verse 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful, and to the, and to the evil. Now Jesus just listed every person who was unworthy of mercy. And then... He capped it off by revealing that even God is merciful to those who are unthankful and evil. And then Jesus says, after he's spelled out what mercy looks like, ye therefore, be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. So if you want the blessing of mercy... Who must I extend mercy to? Number one, my enemies. Either those I don't like or those who don't like me. I remember we, uh, for years, our home was on four wheels. We were in a fifth-wheel travel trailer, and we pulled into this RV spot, and we were told just where we were, were to park. Now, the previous owners, or the previous people who had been, or I'd say our, our neighbors who had been parking there, had for a long time had their spot open And also the whole Nick spot open to them. So, and if you're living in tight quarters, every bit of space is your treasure. I mean, the air you breathe, you treasure. Every little space you find. I mean, we, we, some of you know, we put, we'd stuff things in our kitchen seats and uh, under the, the bed, the couches. I mean, every corner was precious space. So you can imagine how much this family enjoyed having not only their spot, but also the spot in front of them. Until we came. And the person who helped us park, parked us right on the line. So their spot just went from this to like this. And the sun rose on the other side of our trailer, so we got morning sun, and now they got our morning shade. Needless to say, when we greeted them with a smile, they barely waved and walked into their trailer. They were not happy with us at all. Now, there's two ways we could have taken that, uh, that position. 
Two ways we could have reacted to their less than congenial welcome to the neighborhood that they gave us. You know, oh, so glad you not parked next to us. Uh, we could have said, well, those are not very nice neighbors. I don't want to be friends with them. I'm not going to talk to them at all. After all, my door opens the other direction. I don't even have to look at them. Or, you know what the other option is? You can make peanut butter and homemade bread. And so we decided we would make peanut butter and homemade bread. Um, did you know you can make peanut butter out of, through a champion juicer? Oh, it makes delicious peanut butter. So we bought a whole thing of peanuts and we ran it through the champion juicer and out came that creamy, fresh peanut butter and we filled a mason jar with that. And then we made homemade, fresh bread and we went over and knocked on the neighbor's door. They came out, yes, what do you want? <laughs> we made you peanut butter and homemade bread. And I can tell you that there on their doorstep, as sure as I stand here today, the ice just melted in front of my eyes. Just, phew. A smile came over their face. They didn't even, they, they seemed to no longer see the shadow that my trailer was casting on their front door. There is something wonderful that happens in the life of the Christian and something wonderful that you can give to the lives of other people when you choose the path of mercy. That is, you choose to give people what they do not deserve. You choose to shower blessings on those around you, whether they've showered or given you blessings or not. That you do not repay evil with evil, but you repay evil with what, everyone? With good. Think about this. When somebody has something against you, the path that you should choose is peanut butter and bread. To give to those who withhold from you, to shine the warmth of Christianity on those who blow the coldness of Satan in your direction. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, a statement in the writings of Spirit of Prophecy that I've often wondered about. And I've, I've searched and searched for the key to unlock this statement. And I think it's right here in Jesus' fifth blessing. And the statement is this. We need to learn how to draw warmth from the coldness of others. You know what I think the key is? Well, you know now too, peanut butter and bread. The key is to give back to others just the opposite of what they expect you to give back to them. Somebody curses at you, you give them blessings instead of cursings. I remember another time, it was the first time I was showing up to a church, my very first Sabbath, and at the end of the sermon, um, one of the members walked out and handed me a note, and on the note, it said, I read it later, it said, 
I can't stand our new pastor. (laughs) He's got such a high squeaky voice. I just want our old pastor back. And he handed it to me. I knew who wrote the note. I thought for sure he'd put it like in the offering so that I'd get it anonymously like most notes come. But no, he, he wanted to let me know. So he gave me, the, gave me the note, walked out the door, didn't even shake my hand. And all week long, I thought about that note. And I read it and read it. And you know, you the first human, human thoughts are, man, that's a miserable member of my church. I hope they transfer soon. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit began working on my heart and saying, wait a minute, Michael. You have to recognize that the pastor before you was deeply loved by the members of this church. And this man is grieving over the loss of his pastor. What he needs is love. What he needs is warmth. He doesn't need a a cold shoulder in return. He may have, in a very not-so-mature way, shared his hurting heart, but, but what he's asking for is he's asking for a pastor that will care for him. The next Sabbath, I stationed myself at the front door waiting for him to come through those opening doors. As soon as I saw him, I tried not to run, but I went straight for him. And before he knew what to do, I gave him a huge bear hug and told him how grateful I was that he was here and that I'd been praying for him all week long. And I said, Lord, if it kills him, I'm going to do it every Sabbath. (laughs) And by, I think, a couple years in, He came up to me, he hugged me, and he did to me what I've never had a member do ever in my life. He kissed me on the cheek. And he said, I want you to know how much I love you as my pastor. What a difference. From the note I got my first day to the kiss on the cheek I got a year or two later. And you know what made the difference? The blessing came because I decided to practice mercy. I practiced mercy in my life to the very one who was the worst to me. And it turned the whole situation around. Mercy. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the term mercy and grace. What exactly is mercy and grace? We're going to come to that in just a moment. So the first group that Jesus says we need to share uh, the blessing of mercy with is our enemies. The second is those who have cursed me, have abused me, and have stolen from me. Yeah, Jesus lists those people too. And yes, those in need, the poor and suffering, need my mercy also. In other words, the most difficult people on planet earth are the ones Maybe the only ones I can really and truly show mercy to. After all, is it really mercy if the person, if I think the person deserves it? Jesus says, so people, 
Uh, oh, yes. What if they are unthankful for my offers of mercy? Well, Jesus says, people are unthankful for God's mercy, and yet he extends it. Well, what about people who are wicked? Well, Jesus says, God extends mercy to the wicked. In Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 22, it says, To the appeal of the erring, the tempted, the wretched victims of want and sin, the Christian does not ask, are they worthy? But how can I benefit them? In the most wretched, the most debased, he sees souls whom, uh, whom Christ died to save and for whom God has given to his children the ministry of reconciliation. Now, Jesus isn't saying I must willfully place myself in a position where I am cursed, stolen from, or abused. There is no merit or blessing in seeking to be hurt or abused again and again by wicked men and women. But he does say that mercy must be given to those who have hurt us in the past. Hatred must be replaced by forgiveness. Compassion must take the place of revenge. A prayer that these very ones might be saved must replace our wishing that they would perish and die. We must view and feel for others the same pity and tender mercy that God himself extends. In, a, in another place, Peter, seeking to find the limits of mercy, asks in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven, uh, not unto seven times, but until... Seventy times seven. Seventy times seven is 490, which represents the limits of God's own mercy as revealed in the 70-week prophecy of Daniel 9. The point Jesus was making here in the point of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is that those who receive the fifth blessing are rich in mercy just as the Bible says God is rich in mercy. Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 5 says, But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now some will say the terms mercy and grace are new to me. What do, what do they mean? Well, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who doesn't deserve it. You know who that is? That's me, and that's you. We don't deserve God's compassion, his forgiveness, but he offers us mercy. What about grace? What is grace? Well, grace is when someone blesses you with favor, goodness, and love, not because you deserve it, not because you've earned it, but because they wish to give it. Grace is the free and unmerited favor of God to you. Unless we think that these are small parts of the Christian life, Jesus actually points to them as pillars in the Christian walk. You remember when Jesus starts telling the, uh, the Pharisees, Woe to you Pharisees, for you think and you do. And, and he says, <coughs> let me give you the scripture reference. It's in Matthew 23, 23. He says, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay a mint, uh, a tithe of your mint and your cumin. 
your uh, mint and anise and cumin. And by the way, uh, anybody have any bottles of mint, anise, or cumin in your kitchen? Let me tell you, that's a very small harvest. Uh, It's not like the harvest of corn or wheat, the big harvest. So here they are. They're being careful to pay a tithe of the smallest harvest that they bring in. The mint, the anise, the cumin. They make sure they give a tenth of every little seed. But they have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment. And then what does it say? Mercy and faith. These you ought to have done and not leave the others undone. When God talks about mercy, when Jesus talks about mercy, he's not talking about some side thing that some Christians do. This is a main pillar of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is merciful because God is merciful. Now here's a question. Are human beings capable of revealing this sort of grace and mercy as Jesus outlines on their own? The answer is no. Mercy is not a human trait. In Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 21, it says, The heart of man is by what, everyone? By nature, what? Cold and dark and unloving. Whenever one manifests a spirit of mercy and forgiveness, he does it not of himself, but through the influence of the divine spirit moving upon his heart. So every time you and I think to ourselves, you know, I really should treat them this way, uh, merciful, kind, I I really shouldn't try to repay them evil for evil, it is evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving upon our heart and trying to implant within us a divine nature that is warring against our human nature. Human nature says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You kick me, I'll kick you harder. You pinch me, I'll pinch you harder. But God's nature says, you take my coat, I'll give you my scarf and my hat. You steal from me, I'll make sure that you have plenty. The Holy Scriptures say in agreement in John, 1 John 4, verse 19. That we love him because he first loved us. Love and mercy and grace are not developed or shown in the human life until they're first received from the author of mercy and love and grace. By receiving love from the author of love, we come to really know what love is like. And until I've seen an authentic picture of love, I'm incapable of truly loving. Why? Because it isn't in my nature. Selfishness is in my nature and no one has to teach me to be selfish. But love, I've got to see it before I can reveal it. And the same is true for grace and mercy. Jesus' admonition for us 
to bestow mercy upon others is also a call for us to receive mercy from the author of mercy. Because mercy, like love, can only overflow from a heart that has first been filled. And this is why mercy is the fifth blessing, not the fourth in Jesus' sequence of blessings. We must first seek God, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, as is revealed in the fourth blessing. If righteousness will begin to be revealed in our life through attitudes and acts of mercy, which is the fifth blessing. So it goes like this. Those who are poor in spirit, who recognize their true spiritual poverty, are prepared for the blessing of mourning, which is sorrowing for sin. Those who truly sorrow for sin feel they are prepared for meekness because they have humbled themselves and no longer seek to defend their good name or reputation. Those who take on a spirit of meekness will naturally hunger for God and His righteousness because they are being led to look to Him, not to themselves. And friends, when we hunger and seek after God day by day, we are going to begin to become like Him. We are merciful as He is merciful, which is blessing number five. Do you see the sequence developing in these blessings? The blessing is that we are becoming more and more like Jesus, the goal of the Christian walk. And this happens not as a result of beating ourselves over the head because we aren't merciful or that we are failing. Self-chastisement will not make me more godly. That's a Catholic doctrine, not a Bible doctrine. It doesn't happen by trying harder to be a true Christian apart from God. The secret to becoming merciful like Jesus is daily seeing and receiving the mercy of God for my own sinful life. You know, sometimes we look at our own life and as we look at our past record, we see mistakes and failures and failures and mistakes. I can't tell you how many times I've looked over my past life and I've thought to myself, man, I wish I could do that over again. If only I had known this or that. Man, I wish I hadn't said such and such. In fact, most of the time, it's I wish I hadn't said such and such. How about you? Oh, man. Who can tame the tongue? But in those moments where we look back over our life and we see dismal failure and shame and our heart aches for the things that we've done wrong, it's in those moments that we have the greatest need to look to our Savior and receive His mercy. Oftentimes we we look at our past mistakes and we say to ourselves, I'm not worthy of God's mercy. I can't receive forgiveness because what I've done is so bad. I should have done things differently. Stop that talk. Take that talk out of your mind. You do not have power to live the past over again. The only thing you have power to do is to move forward from here to the kingdom of God present. 
And the only way that you can move forward, friends, and make it into the kingdom of God is if you receive the mercy of God for you. When God said that his blood, Jesus' blood, can wash away our sins, he meant it. It is for this reason that Christ suffered and died, so that we would not have to carry forward the burden of guilt of past wrongs that we've done. We can lay it all down at the feet of Jesus and receive his mercy. Why continue into a new year carrying the same burdens of 2021? Lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, if you are willing to give me what I don't deserve and forgive me for my past mistakes and wipe my record clean through the blood of Jesus, then why should I carry what you are willing to carry? Why should I continue to pay for what you have already paid for? Why should I show you such unbelief by being unwilling to accept your mercy? The only thing that not receiving the mercy of God does in our life is it wounds us deeper and makes us more incapable of giving mercy to others. Man, I'll never forget the story of the lady who came to me. She was always smiling when she came in church. Not this church, another church. Always wore the biggest smile. She says, Pastor, I wasn't always happy. You see, my little boy was hit by a driver and killed as he was going across the street. And she said, I swore that if I found that driver, I would shoot them dead in the street. Take their life for taking my son's life. She said, so for years I carried a pistol in my purse, waiting for the opportunity to shoot that individual. She said, and one day I had a dream. And Jesus came to me and said, won't it be a tragedy if your little boy ends up in heaven and you miss seeing him because you were so filled with hatred and bitterness and revenge? And wouldn't give it over to me. And she said, I realized that the only way I'd be able to see my son again is if I received and gave mercy. The hardest thing I could do in my life to receive and give mercy. And she said, once I did that, once I chose to forgive the person, uh, she said, a weight lifted off my shoulders. And she said, joy flooded my heart. And she says, now I'm no longer angry. She said, because I have the wonderful hope that I will see my son again. There is a blessing that you cannot experience unless you follow the blessing of mercy. The more we receive of Jesus' love and grace and mercy, the greater will be our capacity to love, reveal grace, and offer mercy to others. The reason this is true is because we are daily being changed by the glory of God's goodness, which we are choosing to behold and receive day by day. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. But here is the interesting twist that Jesus fifth, to Jesus' fifth blessing. Not only is our capacity to show mercy increased by receiving mercy, but our capacity to... Receive mercy is increased in proportion to how much mercy we show. It goes both ways. Isn't that interesting? What a twist. I, my ability to give mercy to someone else is dependent upon me receiving mercy from God. But my capacity to receive mercy from God is dependent upon me being willing to give the mercy that he's given to me to someone else. And if I don't give mercy, I can't receive mercy. And if I don't receive mercy, I can't give mercy. So which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, mercy was received first. But if I never pass that mercy on to those who don't deserve it, I can never receive greater waves of mercy in my own life. I want you to read this blessing again. Matthew 5, verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for what do they receive by being merciful? More mercy. Do you see that? You get more mercy by giving mercy. And you know, this isn't the only place in the Bible where it mentions this. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 26, it says, With the merciful, you will show thyself, God will show himself, what? Merciful. With the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. And, and then it continues in, in, uh, in, in the scriptures. Uh, Think with me of the Lord's prayer. Jesus said, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive, it opens up a channel in heaven for us to receive greater forgiveness. And then Jesus adds in Matthew 6, verse 14 through 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Truly, being merciful is a double blessing that comes back in waves of blessings upon those who choose mercy. As we show mercy, we receive it from heaven more and more and more. And this is a blessing that is to continue day after day after day in your life. And let me tell you, the devil will give you plenty of opportunities to experience this blessing. Maybe you had one on the way to church. Somebody cutting you off in the road, boom, it's a blessing. Uh, we recently had friends who came and visited us from uh, the Netherlands. It was a miracle that they actually were here. Um, they had to spend two weeks in Curacao, and then they could come into, through the border of the United States. And we did just a little bit of traveling with them. We went to Yellowstone and one of the things that we talked about is how irritating it is when you're trying to drive and you have a slow driver in front of you. 
And he says, Michael, I need you to pray for me. And I said, I know the answer. He said, what's the answer? I said, you need to change the way you look at slow drivers. I said, right now, every slow driver to you is a curse. I said, every time somebody pulls out in front of you and slows down, lift your eyes to the Lord and say, it's a blessing. Thank you, Lord. It's a blessing. And so we, we had these uh, walkie-talkie two-way radios. He had one in his van. I had one in mine. And I would sit there and watch him because he, he normally was ahead of me. And somebody would pull in front of him and slow down. And like two seconds later, I'd hear, It's a blessing! <laughs> it's a blessing! And let me tell you, it changed our whole outlook. Like every time somebody pulled, in, it became a running joke. Somebody would pull in front of us and we'd start laughing. Here's another blessing. And then one time we were driving through Yellowstone and somebody was going especially slow. And I thought, man, he has got to be so irritated by now. And I, I waited and then I heard this. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing for me. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. <laughs> we need to begin taking life that way. When people come in our path who do not treat us the way we deserve, treat them back the way they don't deserve. Determine in your heart and ask from the Lord the mercy that you need in your life that you can give to others. On the roadway, cranky neighbors, neighbors, um, maybe some, some family issues. Say, you know what, Lord, there's a blessing here and the blessing's for me. This is an opportunity for me to show the mercy that I've been given. And as I reveal the mercy of Jesus in my life towards those who don't deserve it, greater mercy from heaven will be poured out in my life and the cycle will continue to grow. Mercy upon mercy upon mercy. Proverbs 11 verse 17 says, The merciful man does good for his own soul. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. And Matthew 7.12, it says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It's true, friends. The blessings that Jesus has given us are really blessings for our own life. As we give, we receive in an even greater way than had we never given before. Today, Jesus has a heart full of mercy to bestow upon you. But could my unwillingness to receive and accept his mercy be blocking my ability to show mercy to others? Is it possible that a heart unwilling to forgive or reach out in mercy to those in my life is blocking the blessing of mercy flowing into my life? I'd like to challenge you this morning to embrace the blessing of mercy Stand in realization that God has paid for your sins through his own sacrifice 
and now offers mercy, forgiveness, and grace as a free gift to those who will humbly receive it. And commit today to receive this gift of mercy, meditating on it day by day. And as Jesus transforms you into his image, sharing, sharing it with the most undeserving in your life. Now, how many today would like to say, Lord, give me the blessing of mercy? Amen. Let's pray for it just now. Gracious Heavenly Father, we realize that you are the author of mercy and that we need it from you first before we can give it to others. And Lord, because we need it from you, help us to give it to others. That we might experience your mercy and your grace to an even greater degree. Lord, I pray that you would give strength to the man or woman here today who struggles with unforgiveness, either not forgiving themselves or not forgiving someone else. I pray that as we enter into a new year that they would not carry this heavy burden with them, but that they would have the blessing of being freed from it. Soften our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would break down the walls of pride and self-pity and that we would be willing to walk that humble road that gives to others who don't, who at least we think don't deserve it but we give because Christ has given so much for us who don't deserve it. Let us look to our bleeding Savior on the cross in Calvary the one who died for us and gave his life for us while we were still enemies of God, reconciled us to heaven. And I pray that our own hearts will be warmed by the love we see on Calvary's tree. And I pray, Lord, that you would transform us, that we might reflect the image of Jesus. Bless us as we enter into this new year together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.